Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. We have access, unfettered access, to the creator of the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is any time to bring anything. He hears when we cry, when we call. Any time we can bring anything to that God. And we don't? What is the matter with us? You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. As Christians, we have a direct line to God. Through prayer, we can move mountains if we simply know how to ask the right way. Pastor J.D. reminds us just how powerful prayer is and challenges us to put it into practice regularly. Jesus loves you and wants to hear from you. Speak to him through prayer and allow him to move in your life. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 4 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver me. Oh, save me for your mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of you in the grave. Who will give you thanks? That's not speaking of there's no life after death. No, what he's saying is, uh, from the grave. I can't praise you anymore. I can't serve you anymore in the land of the living. Verse five, uh, pardon me, verse, uh, yeah, five, no, six. I am weary with my groaning. All night I make my bed swim. I drench my couch with my tears. My eye wastes away, verse seven, because of grief. It grows old because of all my enemies. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity, for the Lord has heard my the voice of my weeping. There he is again. He starts off by talking to God, and then he talks to man after he talks to God. Verse 9, the Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all my enemies be ashamed and greatly troubled. Let them turn back and be ashamed suddenly. (laughs) In other words, the the Lord has heard me. If I were you, I would be uh, very concerned (laughs) because the Lord heard my prayer about what you are doing to me. This is a, a psalm again I over the years, the Lord has really used it in my life in powerful ways. It's had a powerful impact on my life. God has used, still uses, and doubtless will continue to use this psalm in the life of many a Christian because it can bring both encouragement and strength, especially when it seems like God is distant, which I want to talk about in a moment, or it seems like that God is angry or um, God is delaying in, in hearing me. It contains a powerful promise that 
God, though he seems to delay, will always be kind and will always be merciful. And again, this is one of those Psalms where, like many of David's Psalms, starts off where David is just in despair. And then by the end of the Psalm, that despair gives way to hope and strength. It should be noted that Psalm 6 is one of the seven penitential Psalms, meaning that it's a Psalm that expresses sorrow for one's sin. Uh, It's a Psalm of repentance, I suppose you could say, and it's a cry for forgiveness. Clearly, David is referring to and asking forgiveness for some sin that he has committed. And it's interesting because conspicuously absent from the psalm is any mention of what that sin was. And I think that's by God's design in the sense that were we to be told that this was when he committed the sin of adultery, then we would be quick to dismiss it Because, well, I've not committed adultery, so this psalm doesn't really apply to me, and nothing could be further. I really believe that this is one of those places, and one of those psalms especially, where God, by design, withholds the specifics so that we can fill in the blanks with our own sin, and thus make application to our own lives. It's important to understand, I think we do... Uh, err greatly when we dismiss a certain passage in God's word under the banner of it not applying to us. And it's important to remember, like 2 Timothy 3.16 says, that all scripture, all scripture is God-breathed, and all scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. In the next verse, in verse 17, it tells us the reason why. It's so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And that is the case, such is the case with this psalm. One of the reasons that God has used this psalm so powerfully in my life is because it addresses three important issues of life. I kind of alluded to them, but the first is concerning this notion that God must be really angry with me. David is, you know, praying and and really again begging, crying for mercy. Don't don't rebuke me in your hot displeasure. You're you're angry at me. And the second issue is that of feeling like that God is distant from me. Certainly sin separates me and distances me from God. This is why Satan will always tempt us to sin. When we sin, it is devastating to the prayer life. Because that that intimacy, that, that closeness that you once enjoyed with the Lord has now been hindered by virtue of that sin that has now separated you from the Lord. The Lord hasn't left you. You left him. It's been said that when uh, when it seems like God is distant, guess who moved? <laughs> guess who's the one that distanced them? God has not distanced himself from you. You've distanced yourself from God because of what you've done. 
And this is certainly David's uh, posture here. The third one is perhaps the most dangerous. And it's this belief that uh, not only is God angry with me or distant from me, but God doesn't love me. And this is why I always encourage people to spend some time in Romans 8 about nothing being able to separate you from the love that God has for you. There's nothing that you and I can do to make God love us less. He loves us. He loves you. He loves me. So here with David, I would suggest that all three are are present, which is why he cries out all night long for mercy and pleads with the Lord to return to him. Again, Spurgeon said it best this way, is it not sweet to believe that our tears are understood even when words fail? Let us learn to think of tears as liquid prayers that need no interpretation. I like that. Sometimes the tears say more than the words ever could. Um, Again, when my children were little, I, I, I couldn't stand it when they would cry. Many a times I would just wipe the tears from their eyes and I would just try to encourage them and love on them and and I know they're hurting and they're crying and they're upset. And, and again, how much more do our cries, our tears reach the ears of the Lord who hearkens unto them? I know I've mentioned this and you'll forgive me if I uh, repeat this throughout our study of the Psalms. But I can't get over uh, how often it is that he starts off with, just, I mean, he's in utter despair. And by the time you get to, in this particular Psalm, verse 9, his despair gives way to victory. I, I want to take it a step further and say, so much so that he confidently declares that God has heard his prayers and will now act on his behalf against all his enemies. But here's what's very interesting. Nothing has changed in David's circumstances. From front to finish in the Psalms, his circumstances haven't changed. His enemies are still against him. His enemies are still out to kill him. They're still slandering him. They're still falsely accusing him. Everything and everyone is still against him. But (laughs) by the time he gets to the end of the psalm, he has resigned himself and rested in the truth that if God is for me, and God is for me, and God has heard me, if God is for me, who can be against me? No one, no thing. And that is what changes. His heart has changed. His circumstances have not changed at all. They're still exactly the same. They're as perilous as they were when he started the psalm. But what has changed by the end of the psalm is not David's circumstances, not David's situation, but David's heart. Why? Because he, I know this sounds cliche, he took all of his cares and he turned them into prayers. And that's the takeaway 
from this psalm is to take everything to the Lord in prayer, especially when you find yourself in despair. I love 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. This is how I want to bring the Bible study to a close tonight. I know I've shared this in the past, and I'll uh, talk about it uh, again tonight. But we have really, as of late, been emphasizing the importance of prayer, specifically church prayer. And if you've been a part of our prayer meetings the last couple of times on Tuesday nights, we have them the first Tuesday night of each month. How do I say this without being misunderstood? Um, More than the prophecy update, yeah. More than the uh, teaching in uh, Ephesians currently. And, And I love teaching the Old Testament. I really love teaching. Even more than our Bible studies on Thursday night through the Old Testament. I love the prayer nights more. I love the prayer nights more. I'm I'm not, you know, uh, denigrating or, you know, uh, our, our, our Sunday morning services and our Thursday night Bible study, but I'm, I'm here to tell you that the most important thing to me and in my heart, the thing that I love the most is when we come together as a church and pray together. I, I don't want to flip this around, but I'm going to. (laughs) It's almost to the point now, especially in the day that we're living in today, as the world waxes more evil seemingly by the day, I don't know how any of us are going to survive, let alone thrive, if we don't pray. It's really going to come down to prayer. You've heard it said again, I'm I'm sorry it's cliche, but a church that prays together stays together. A marriage that a husband and wife that pray together stay together. Prayer is the deciding factor. That is the deciding factor. I shared this E.M. Bounds quote. I hope you don't mind if I share it again. It's from his writing, and I love the title, Possibilities of Prayer. Possibilities of Prayer. Listen to what he says. Defeat awaits a non-praying church. Success is sure to follow a church given to much prayer. Listen, I want to parenthetically say that a successful church is not measured in the number of people that attend that church. That is not the measure of the success of a church. I, I, I have to confess, if you'll, it just, Allow me. What are you going to say? No, no. Just hear me out. Permit me to share this with you. Um, When we first moved here to plant this church, I asked the Lord, I I said, Lord, I I don't grow the church small. I, I, I don't want a big church because a big church means big problems. And here's the thing, I don't want a church that is a mile wide and only an inch deep. 
I want a church that is a mile deep. And if it's only a, an inch wide, that's fine. But you know, when I go to conferences, pastor's conference, I'm just being candid with you. Just, we're almost done. Just bear with me. I go to these pastor's conferences and, and the pastors are comparing the size of their church with other pastors' churches. As if to say, and by the way, forgive me, but one of the things that is, uh, for me, it, it, it's grievous, I guess for lack of a better word, when the only time the, 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 the speakers at these conferences are always pastors of large churches. I want to hear from the pastor that's been faithfully serving in a small community and has a church of 50. I want to hear about, I want to hear from that. You know, when, when, when we're uh, on that, can't wait. When the Lord says those words, enter in, well done, good and thank you. I, Thank you that nobody said popular or productive or good and successful servant. Enter in. Oh, your church was huge. Enter in. <laughs> no. Good and faithful servant. You were faithful. You remained faithful. You finished well to the end. You served faithfully as a servant. You had 50 people for 25 years. Enter in. I don't know where we get off on. I'm getting way off on this, but where do we get off on drawing these comparisons and, and putting in these, these gauges and these measures based on what the world defines as success? Man, I could preach a whole sermon on this, and I won't do it tonight because... We're out of time. Listen to what E.M. Bounds says lastly. The supernatural element in the church without which it must fail comes only through prayer. Not preaching. Prayer. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of not preaching. Not programs. Prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer. You know, it's interesting that the disciples, they didn't go to Jesus and go, wow, Jesus, teach us how to preach. After the Sermon on the Mount, wow, wish I could preach like that. No, teach us to pray. You know, you know why? Because they watched the Savior go off and pray. And they saw the power in the prayer life of the Savior. And they wanted that. Teach us how to pray like that. I want that. Teach me how to pray that. Okay, I wanted to end with this hymn of old. What a friend we have in Jesus. I'll only quote my favorite verse from this classic and timeless him, but it goes like this. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. And I want you to pay particular attention to this word. We sing it all the time. What a privilege, a privilege to carry 
everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. One last thing, and I appreciate your patience. Think about this. The privilege of prayer. We have, privilege is is inadequate, insufficient. We have access, unfettered access to the creator of the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is any time to bring anything. He hears when we cry, when we call. Any time we can bring anything to that God and we don't, what is the matter with us? Are we out of our minds? Anything big or small we can take to him. And this is what David did all the time. Could it be that this sweet psalmist of Israel, King David of Israel, from whom the Savior would come, the son of David, could it be that it was his prayer life? That was at the core of it? That was the result of it? The source of it? This was a man who prayed. Now I think about the Apostle Paul. He was a man of prayer. I I think about, you know, many in the Old Testament, men of prayer. But do you ever think about David that way? A man of prayer. This will be the last, last thing. And again, I appreciate your patience. And and why don't you stand? That way you can give your, (laughs) get your blood circulating again. I know you've been sitting a while. I want, okay, yeah, David's back there going, yeah, forget it. You're not coming up. I already closed with what a friend we have in Jesus, right? (laughs) Okay, that's fine. (laughs) Okay. So um, I'll speak for myself. I want... When it's all said and done, I want it to be said of me. No, he wasn't, you know, a great teacher of the word. He was a great preacher of the gospel. He was a great pastor of the church. Not even so much that he was a great father and a great husband. What I want to be said of me more than anything is, man, he was a man of prayer. He was a man of prayer. Thanks for taking the time to listen today to In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has been taking us through the book of Psalms, detailing the author's messages of hope and pain, joy and sorrow. You may have found today that you identified with the sentiments expressed in today's passage. And if that's the case, we encourage you to explore more. Dive into the Word yourself and ask God to reveal additional love and personal truth that He knows you need to hear today. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in Psalms 2, you can find them online at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Are you a part of a community of believers? If you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to urge you to remedy that soon. 
A church family can be a source of support, a cheering squad, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. This is also a place you can give of your unique talents in support of others as well. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. There's a lot to discover at our website, including a link to our mobile app, social media pages, and Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Updates. That website, one more time, is inspiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have for today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of Psalms, right here on In Spirit and Truth. <music> 